our scripture reading this morning comes from the Acts of the Apostles. It's in chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. If you don't own a Bible or didn't bring one with you, there's one in the pew, and we encourage you to follow along, um, especially if you don't have it memorized yet. Um, There you can find it on page 1082. That's Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. And there it's written. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would please join me in prayer. O holy God, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we're in week six of this series on on becoming gospel fluent. And so before I get started, if you'll humor me for a minute while I recap, and so that way if you've missed any of the steps along the way, you have a brief synopsis. It's that It's that part on the Netflix TV series where you get to the next episode and it says, do you want to skip the intro? Uh, I'm not letting you press that button today, right? So we're not going to skip the intro. And so to recap, we started this with an understanding that as a community of faith, of followers of Christ, to be really serious about following Jesus means we need to work towards becoming fluent in the gospel, which looks like this, that everything we see and experience And the way we talk about our life and what's going on in the world is colored by the gospel. It is the everything in which we see. And and so everyone's on board with that. We're, We're like, yes, we are a gospel community. We celebrate the gospel. We believe in the gospel. Let's move forward with this. And so then we had a brief recap of the gospel. I know you're here because you're Christians. You believe in Jesus. You know the gospel. However, we know that we need to preach the gospel to ourselves daily. Every day we need to be reminded because we will forget. We will be tempted. We will turn away. And so the, the gospel has those four movements. It's creation in which God created everything in the world. And it was good. It was very good, including man and woman. And then temptation and sin entered the world. And and, and there was a fall. There was a break in the relationship with God for his commands had been broken. And he's a holy and just and righteous God. And so the fall occurs and, and Adam and Eve are pushed out of paradise. And now we live in this fallen world, a world filled with our fleshly desires and sin and temptation 
all around us. But all along, God had a plan. He had a plan for the redemption and restoration of his people, and that is through Jesus Christ, who came and lived among us, died on the cross, and was resurrected so that we would be redeemed and restored. And then from that redemption, from that restoration, those who have faith in Christ become a new creation. That when we are baptized, we are raised to new life in Christ. We are given a new heart. We are born again. And we go forward living our lives, bringing glory to God, living in the way Jesus called and commanded us to live, awaiting for the ultimate new creation in the new heaven and the new earth that is to come. This is the true story of the gospel. It's the true story of Scripture. And so as we learned that and we understand gospel fluency, we know that we are creatures with both a heart and a mind. And we use both of them in how we live our lives. We, we know that decisions we make on what we do and what's important to us are an overflow of what we love most within our hearts. It's where we put priority. But we're not just heart people, we're also thinking people, we're mindful people. And Paul tells us that we are to take captive our thoughts. And so we learned about the fruit to root exercise, or the tree exercise, if, if you want to call it, that helps us to dismantle the lies we are prone to believe and brings us back to the truth of God. And then last week, we, we acknowledged that the table where we eat and drink with one another is a table meant for redemption, a time in which, yes, we can speak about Jesus at the table together. In fact, we're encouraged to do so, to redeem that time as a time to break bread. And when we break bread, we notice Jesus. And we can tell of him and his goodness in our lives. And so this week we, we read the scripture and, and we read of the, of the earliest church, days and weeks after Pentecost as, as they're gathering. And, and what we see is that they're together. That they are a community together as one. From all different backgrounds and places and they have come Together, and, and we see this and we know that what we need is one another. We need brothers and sisters in Christ to help us see, to remind us, to help us apply the truths of the gospel to our everyday living. But that requires us to not just merely worship with one another, but to be in actual relationships with one another to hear each other's stories of our lives that we've already lived and the lives and the moments we're going through now. When we read scripture and we read of the early church, we read of the New Testament church described by Luke in Acts. It is vastly different than the American church we often experience today. And that's not a good thing. 
That is not progress, folks. That's a turn away from what God made for good. And so when Luke writes Acts, when we hear him write, listen to how he speaks of the church. When Paul writes his letters and you're reading your Bible and you're reading one of Paul's letters or, or Peter's letter or James's letter, read how he speaks, read how they speak of the church. Here in Acts, it's Luke who writes, he says, they were devoted. They devoted themselves. They were dedicated. That means they put all of their energy and effort into this new community, into this community of faith. Of faith. They reorganized their lives. They were all living separate and different lives and the gospel comes to them and they immediately say, no, we are going forward together. Selling everything they had so that they could share among those who had needs. It says day by day they went to the temple to learn and to study and they were breaking bread in each other's homes. They didn't just merely gather for a time together of worship on a Sunday morning and then go about their lives ignoring each other the rest of the week. No, they were doing life together every day. They understood that following Jesus, that being born again in the gospel brought new community in a way that you had never experienced before. So it's this early church, right after the Holy Spirit descends on Pentecost. You hear it. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, which for us today is, is God's word. It's his holy scripture. They devoted themselves to the learning, to, to knowing more and more and, and figuring out how this gospel applies to their daily living. They just heard the greatest news ever that Jesus Christ who died on the cross was resurrected and they believed in him for their salvation and now want to be with each other to learn and figure out how do we go forward in this fallen world. It wasn't a move of Yes, I've heard the gospel, I believe the gospel. And then they go off by themselves and figure it out all alone. No, they did it in community, in relationship. This is where you learn how to be fluent in the gospel, is with other gospel-centered people. Because if we're in community, we're in relationships. Now relationships are messy. That's why we often don't do it. They are. We, we, we are bad at relationships, folks. We are not great at them. We, we are a disappointment in most of our relationships that in our, in our, on our end of it. Because we happen to be pretty selfish people. We like to think of ourselves first. And so being in relationship with someone else means that we can't just think of ourselves all of the time that there are other people to care for and be concerned about and have compassion on, which means that I must put myself to the side and worry about others. Community is hard. And so these church people, they devoted themselves day by day going to temple, to, 
listening to the apostles' teaching, not just a 20-minute sermon on Sunday, which I know you're glad isn't three hours, like Paul's. But that's what they did day by day. They, were, they, they heard the gospel, and then they realized that what they had been eating all of their life before that had left them empty and famished. And so upon hearing the truth of the gospel, they were so hungry and thirsty for more and more. They could not be filled. They could not get enough. They desired to know more about God and each other and going forward. So much so that they devoted themselves to fellowship with each other. To being with one another. hard to be a Christian by ourselves. In fact, we weren't designed to be Christians all alone. We were purposed and created for community. And being in the gospel, being in Christ, community is required. It's because in community, in these relationships that are messy, we're to build each other up. We're to encourage one another. We are to exhort one another and help correct each other when we are falling short and we are going off path. See, Luke tells us that not only did they worship together and fellowship together, but they were eating together. They were praying together. They were in awe of God together. When we read about this early church, we read about how they were together, how they were united with one another. And so it goes for us that if we are truly in community, as a community of faith, if we are truly in community together, then that means we're going to be devoted to God's word and to each other, to the building of each other up, not just ourselves, but each other. It means that we are going to be eating and drinking in the homes of the people we are worshiping with this morning. It means that we are not going to be strangers gathering in a building on Sunday, but that we know each other, that we hear each other's stories, that we're willing to share our stories and vulnerabilities with others because everyone here is here for the building up of one another in Christ Jesus. Amen? So when we tell of what's going on in our lives, we have brothers and sisters to encourage us. To encourage us in the gospel, not with worldly wisdom, not with self-help, not with pull yourselves up with the bootstraps, but a reminder that Christ is all we need. That we, yes, we fall short. We stumble, we fall, we sin. But because of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection, we have been adopted as children of God. That is who you are. A child of God. How often do we forget it? How often does a brother or a sister in Christ remind you that you are? That's community. 
see one of the things we have a habit of doing on our own, a tendency, is that we will make ourselves the hero of our story. Right? In fact, when we read other stories or, or we watch stories on the screens, we naturally self-identify with the hero of the story. The hero's the good guy. We want to be the good guy that comes out on top at the end. But it's the gathering in community, the recognizing of this relationship, the hearing of the good news of Jesus, that we aren't the hero of our story. Jesus is. See, when we tell our stories, we're likely to tell of our sin, we're to tell a bit about ourselves that maybe reveals something important to us that happened along the way. We're also going to tell of our own self-effort in overcoming something. And generally, there's very little Jesus and very little good news. See, Jesus tells stories. A whole bunch of parables. And one of my favorite, I want to I want to read to you this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, the same author of Acts. And it's there in chapter 10. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. So there's a lawyer who comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, love your neighbor. Who's my neighbor? And Jesus replies, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer replied, The one who showed him mercy. What a great story. One is I learned as a child in Sunday school very often and often repeated. Because yes, we are called to live like the good Samaritan. However, when we read that story, we are not the good Samaritan in that story, folks. The truth of the story is we are the one who was robbed and beaten and left for dead on the side of the road from our sin and by Satan. And we're left there half dead. And here comes a priest. The, the tradition is coming by and goes by on the other side because tradition cannot save him. And then shows up the Levite, a man of the law. And he goes by on the other side because the law cannot rescue you from your sins. And then there's the Samaritan who doesn't wait to be invited to save him, who comes to his aid, who uses 
everything he has and is willing to give more so that this man is saved and restored. He's rescued. And the lawyer sees it. He, and when asked, who is his neighbor? The one who showed him mercy. That's Jesus, folks. He's the hero of our story. He's the hero of our story. He saves us. We can't save ourselves. Only Jesus can be our hero. But it takes being in community for us to recognize that. Because when we go off by ourselves... We will hear the whispers and the lies and the temptations from the evil one to remind ourselves that we are all that in a bag of chips. But the truth is, we need a hero. We need Jesus. It's in community and the sharing of our lives and what's going on, the, the studying of God's word together, the fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and praying with one another, that we move from being Bible-fluent to gospel-fluent. That is, that we are speaking truth in love, speaking good news in love to one another, especially in the areas of our disbelief and our struggles. It takes being in community of having people willing to hold us accountable, to point us back to God when we are prone to wander. And so you're going to go out into this week. You're going to go back to your lives and, and everything that's going on. And as you do so, start finding people you're in worship with and go eat with them. Go ask what their story is. But most of all, find someone and ask this question. What does Jesus mean for you now? Or how has what Jesus did on the cross changed your life? Be ready to answer and share. And remember, when you tell your story, Make Jesus the hero he already is. Amen? Amen. This morning, as we prepare to gather at the Lord's table, um, this, this last year, as, as I'm gaining in age and wisdom, uh, I, I, I came to the to the, to the wise decision that it was time for glasses because things that I, that I was holding close to my face, I could no longer bring in focus. It was blurry. It, it, there was no way for me to read it. I got a larger print Bible, and, it, and, it, and it's still blurry, right? And so, and so I gave in and, and, and got glasses because I couldn't see things up close. And so these glasses, while I adjust them 100 times during a sermon, because I'm not used to them yet, help me focus and bring things into focus in my life and around me. And so it is at this table that when we hold on to this bread and this cup, and Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, it is there to aid us 
in focusing on Christ. To remember that, yes, of all that's going on, He is our King. Let us pray. O gracious Lord, as we gather at your table this morning, we give thanks and praise to you that you are our hero, that while we were beaten and robbed and left for dead on the side of the road, that you came and rescued us. Not only rescued us, but called us from the world to yourself and in community with our brothers and sisters. As we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, may we remember that you are our Lord, Savior, and hero. And may this nourish our bodies and our souls to go out into the week to persevere and to encourage one another in Christ. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.